One of London's best-known cemeteries. In fact, it's considered one of London's magnificent seven Victorian graveyards. Dating back to 1839, there are believed to be around 170,000 bodies buried beneath the ground here. This graveyard has earned a frightening reputation in more recent years, with stories of men clad in all black conducting dark rituals here. Spooks and spectres flit around quickly between the 53,000 gravestones, and red-eyed demons call this place home. Then most famously of all is the vampire that preys on its victims here, in England's capital. Tonight, join me as we dare to creep around Highgate Cemetery. Welcome to episode 14 of How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as we dare to investigate in depth the often dark and troubled history of each location. And of course, the chilling tales of the ghosts that reside within. This week we return to London and ask just how haunted is Highgate Cemetery. Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder, and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. In the early 1800s, the population of London was around 1 million people. However, in the decade or two that followed, London's population grew exponentially. This left London with a huge problem. This population surge, combined with a high mortality rate, meant that there just wasn't enough room to bury the city's dead. Not only was there overcrowding in the inner city cemeteries, with the graveyards attached to individual churches, having not been able to cope with the number of burials for a number of years, but anywhere that there was unused land was being used to bury bodies. Strips of land between shops and houses became makeshift graveyards. 
illegal burials were all too common, with no knowledge or involvement from the church. Undertakers would dress up as if they were a vicar and perform completely undignified burials. The recently deceased deserved better, but options were limited as the churchyards were overflowing. The bodies would be dumped on top of or right next to existing corpses in shallow graves. Quicklime was thrown over the body to help speed up the decomposition process. This would mean that the grave could be reused a few months later. Before long, these makeshift graveyards were too overflowing. And not only that, but the horrendous stench coming from them could be smelled from streets all around, and it would attract wild animals after dark who would find an easy meal buried just a couple of feet beneath the surface. The situation in London was getting worse year on year. Something had to be done for the benefit of both the living and the dead. In 1836, an Act of Parliament was passed, creating the London Cemetery Company. This would see seven new private cemeteries opened in the countryside around the capital to provide adequate space for the deceased of London. These would become informally known as the Magnificent Seven. The other six were Kensal Green Cemetery, which opened in 1833 and was originally called the General Cemetery of All Souls. West Norwood Cemetery, which opened in 1837 and was originally known as the South Metropolitan Cemetery. Interestingly, this was the first cemetery built anywhere in the world in a Gothic style. Abney Park Cemetery opened in 1840, Brompton Cemetery and Nunhead Cemetery, which was originally called the All Saints Cemetery, both also opened in 1840. And finally, Tower Hamlet Cemetery, which opened in 1841. Tower Hamlets is also known as Bow Cemetery, and is the only one of the Magnificent Seven no longer in operation. It closed to new burials in 1966 and is now a designated nature reserve. One of these cemeteries would be Highgate Cemetery in North London, where £3,500 was paid for 17 acres of land. The architect who designed this original west side of Highgate Cemetery was Stephen Geary. Over a period of three years, the land that had been the grounds of the Ashurst estate were landscaped wonderfully. Poles apart from the options available to those who had been looking for somewhere to give their recently deceased loved one a fitting burial. On Monday the 20th of May 1839, Highgate Cemetery was opened and it was dedicated to St James by the Right Reverend Charles James Blomfield, Lord Bishop of London. Fifteen acres were consecrated for the use of the Church of England and two acres were set aside for dissenters, meaning somebody who was a member of a non-conformist church or no church at all. Rights of burial were sold either for a limited period or in perpetuity. If the rights of burial were for a limited period, when that period of time expired, the plot would be sold to somebody else and the human remains would be dug up and removed. The first burial at the new cemetery was in Elizabeth Jackson of Little Windmill Street in Soho on the 26th of May. Over the next two decades, Highgate Cemetery became a popular place to visit and it became even more popular as the number of Gothic tombs increased. It was, and still is, a spectacular place. Not only was it somewhere that the people of London wanted to go and see in life, but it became increasingly desirable as somewhere people wanted to be buried when they died. By 1854, the London Cemetery Company were making huge profits, so chose to expand Highgate Cemetery by a further 19 acres, to the southeast of the original area, across Swains Lane. This is now known as the East Cemetery, 
and saw its first burial on the 12th of June 1860, when Mary Ann Webster, the 16-year-old daughter of a local baker, was laid to rest in the new area of the cemetery. A tunnel was dug beneath Swain's Lane to connect the new east side of the cemetery with the original west side. With the aid of a hydraulic lift, coffins would descend into the tunnel and remain on cemetery ground for their passage to the new section of the cemetery. Highgate Cemetery continued to prove to be the most fashionable place to be laid to rest for decades. But when the 1900s came around, even though the years between Queen Victoria's death in 1901 and the start of the First World War in 1914 were years of growth and general prosperity, trends had changed and the desire to spend large sums of money on elaborate funerals was no longer what it was. When the First World War broke out in 1914, many of the cemetery's 40 or so gardeners and groundsmen were called up to fight. Despite this, the grounds of Highgate Cemetery remained to be kept in an immaculate condition throughout the war. By the 1930s, only the rich were still able to pay to bury their loved ones at Highgate Cemetery. And over the next two decades, the cemetery struggled, with Londoners opting for cheaper, less extravagant graves. In 1956, the stonemason's yard and the superintendent's house were sold off to generate much-needed funds. The two chapels were also closed in the same year. The London Cemetery Company was finally declared bankrupt in 1960, and the gates to Highgate Cemetery were closed. The lush landscape became wild, unkept jungles, and buildings collapsed and fell in on themselves. Vandalism became a huge problem, and the cemetery was barely recognisable from the grandeur of its heyday. It was during the 1960s that something strange started happening, and people were beginning to report all manner of paranormal happenings within the abandoned cemetery. But we'll look at this in great detail a little later on. So what was the next chapter in the history of Highgate Cemetery? In 1975, a charitable trust was set up called the Friends of Highgate Cemetery Trust, and in 1981, they acquired both the East and West Cemeteries. Work began soon after to clear the landscape and repair and rebuild memorials and buildings damaged and destroyed by decay and vandals. Ever since then, a programme of restoration work has been carefully carried out to restore Highgate Cemetery to its former glory. Over 70 monuments have been listed by English Heritage, and during 2011, the chapel interior was restored to its 1880s colour scheme and it was reopened for funerals. In the West Cemetery, the Egyptian Avenue and the Circle of Lebanon feature tombs, vaults and winding paths dug into hillsides. The Egyptian Avenue and the Columbarium are Grade 1 listed buildings. The cemetery's grounds are now home to all manner of plant life and wildlife. There are trees, shrubbery and wildflowers, which are all left to grow wild, making it a wonderful haven for the birds and the small mammals that call the graveyard home. Many famous and prominent people are buried on the east side of Highgate Cemetery. The most famous of these is Karl Marx, the German philosopher, economist, historian, sociologist, political theorist, journalist and socialist revolutionary. His best known titles are the 1848 pamphlet, the Communist Manifesto and his four volume Das Kapital. He died in 1883 and his tomb has been vandalised on a number of occasions and was the site of an attempted bombing in both 1965 and 1970. His tomb is a Grade 1 listed building for reasons of historical importance and is one of the most visited graves in all of London. Another noteworthy resident is Elizabeth Siddell, who lived from 1829 to 1862 
She was the wife of the artist, Dante Rositi, and she is buried in the Rositi grave. She was laid to rest with a book of poetry by her husband. Seven years after her death, Rossetti wanted to publish a book of his complete works, but his complete works would have to include those poems that he had buried with his wife. He hired men to go into Highgate Cemetery in the middle of the night and dig by torchlight and retrieve his poems. The men are quoted as gasping in awe as she remained as beautiful as the day she was buried, with her long red tresses continued to grow around the poems. It is said Rossetti never overcame his guilt at disturbing his wife's eternal slumber, and it drove him mad. Towards the end of his life, he became a drug addict, dependent on chloral hydrate, and he had terrible mental instability. He spent his last years as a recluse before his death in 1882. The biggest funeral ever to take place at Highgate Cemetery was that of Tom Sawyer, a famous bare-knuckle prizefighter who died on the 8th of November 1865. More than 10,000 mourners attended his funeral, with Lion, his own faithful dog, as chief mourner. A statue of Lion adorns his grave today, watching over his master in death. It is one of the most photographed graves in all of Highgate Cemetery. English Heritage has listed Highgate Cemetery as a Grade 1 listed park, and both east and west sides of the cemetery remain open as an active burial ground. Today there are approximately 170,000 people buried in around 53,000 graves across both cemeteries, and it's open to the public daily. Access to the older West Cemetery is only available on a guided tour, but you can walk around the East Cemetery unguided. The stories of tall shadowy men, demons with red glowing eyes, and most famously of all, the Highgate Vampire, may have started in the 1960s, but they remain to this very day, and Highgate has a worldwide reputation for its hauntings. Are these just stories, or is there something dark and dangerous lurking here, as some would have us believe? Let's take a look at the ghosts of Highgate Cemetery, next on How Haunted. few places in Britain, or even the world, as evocative as Highgate Cemetery, and it comes as no surprise that the famous horror movie studio Hammer used the cemetery for film in their gothic horror movies during the period of time where it was abandoned. Graveyards, by their very nature, tend to have a reputation for being haunted, simply because they are a place where people's mortal remains are laid to rest, and there are around 170,000 bodies beneath the ground at Highgate Cemetery. Is the reason that it's considered the most haunted graveyard in the world simply because it's arguably the most famous graveyard in the world? Or is there substance to these claims which started in the 1960s that this place really is home to some dark and dangerous entities? During the 1960s, the local newspaper, the Hampstead and Highgate Express, started to receive letters from concerned locals that they had seen scary things in and around the cemetery when walking near to it. Then there were reports of Satanists performing strange ceremonies and dark rituals in the cemetery, and people started to think that this may be the catalyst to the hauntings at Highgate. The letters to the newspaper didn't slow down, they got more and more frequent as reports and concerns increased, and what was to happen next wouldn't help to alleviate these fears. 
A man was driving near Highgate Cemetery late one night when his car just died. He tried to restart the engine but it wouldn't start. Then he felt as though he was being watched and he looked towards the cemetery. It was there he saw a terrifying creature with glowing red eyes staring at him through the cemetery gate. Another man claimed he was attacked by a creature that came over the cemetery wall as he walked past. He screamed out for help. But fortunately, the creature dissolved away to nothing when another car drove past and its headlights illuminated the monster. A spectre who has been outside of the cemetery is that of a man cycling on an old-fashioned bike in front of the cemetery gates. A tall man wearing a top hat is seen walking amongst the graves. Another phantom reported is that of a sad female spectre who looks up to the sky, ignoring everybody around her. If she is approached, she just vanishes, but then she reappears elsewhere in the cemetery, once again staring up to the skies above. One of the better-known ghosts at Highgate Cemetery is that of a crazy old woman. She is seen running around the graves, her wild, straggly grey hair blowing behind her as she runs. She is said to be looking for the graves of her children, whom she murdered. The unknown phantom of a woman dressed all in white and a nun have been seen here, as has the figure of a woman wading into a pond. Stones falling at people's feet for no explicable reason has been reported. Visitors admiring the Gothic architecture and visiting the graves have felt as though somebody has touched their arm. Sounds have been reported here of wails and screams, whispers and disembodied voices. The ringing of bells has been heard, and in the East Cemetery a sad tune being played on a piano. Visitors on quiet days have spoke of hearing footsteps near to them when they're the only person there. Then most famously is the Highgate Vampire. On the night of Halloween 1968, a group of people into the occult and dark rituals crept into Tottenham Park Cemetery under the cover of darkness. Then according to a report in the London Evening News on the 2nd of November 1968, these people arranged flowers taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing to a new grave, which was uncovered. A coffin was opened and the body inside disturbed. But their most macabre act was driving an iron stake through the lid and into the breast of the corpse. Those involved were never identified or brought to justice for their unspeakable act, and their motivations never explained. At this point in time, the legendary Highgate vampire didn't yet exist in the consciousness of the city, but this sadistic act may well have been the catalyst for what would shortly follow. The Highgate Vampire story would begin on the 6th of February 1970, when a magician with an interest in the supernatural named David Farrant had a letter printed in the Hampstead and Highgate Express. His letter explained that on Christmas Eve of 1969, he had been passing Highgate Cemetery and had caught sight of a grey figure. He was fairly certain that it wasn't a person and that it was something supernatural, and he was keen to understand if other people had seen anything similar. Letters were printed a week later on the 13th of February in response to David's letter, and people told of seeing many of the ghosts that we looked at a little earlier, such as the spectral cyclist and the man in the top hat. However, a man by the name of Sean Manchester had a different explanation. He was interviewed by the newspaper, and his story was published on the 27th of February, entitled, 
does a vampire walk in Highgate? He claimed that he had knowledge of a powerful dark magician who had been a medieval nobleman in life, and he was buried somewhere in the cemetery. Devil worshippers performing dark rituals had brought him back from the dead, and now he walks the streets of London after dark. Manchester believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is what David Farrant had seen. The media latched onto this, and suddenly everybody was aware of the Highgate vampire. On the 6th of March 1970, the newspaper published an article about David Farrant having found a number of dead foxes in Highgate Cemetery. Sean Manchester once again was involved in the story, as he added that he believed the animal's blood had been consumed by the vampire. The media's desire for anything to do with the vampire was aided by a public rivalry between Farrant and Manchester, both making the bold claim that they would rid the city of London of the vampire threat by destroying him. This would come to a head only a couple of months later, when on the night of Friday the 13th of March 1970, Sean Manchester declared that he was going to exercise Highgate Cemetery. TV channel ITV ran a special live event on the story, broadcasting interviews with Manchester, Farrant and others, all of which talked about the supernatural entities that they themselves had witnessed in the cemetery. Within two hours of this being seen in people's homes, a mob calling themselves Hunters turned up at Highgate Cemetery, having travelled from all across London, and they swarmed the locked cemetery, climbing over gates and walls. The relatively small police presence were unable to stop them, and they searched the cemetery for the vampire, unsuccessfully. During their frantic hunt, the cemetery was desecrated. Graves were vandalised, disturbed, and some corpses were even exhumed to be staked or beheaded. Many of the mob had come armed with weapons, so that they could defend themselves in the event of an encounter. This unsuccessful search didn't stop the hype around the story, and on the 1st of August that year a grisly discovery was made. A woman's body had been removed from a catacomb, and it had been decapitated and set on fire. The police suspected that it had been used in some kind of black magic ritual, whereas others believed that whoever carried out this act may have suspected that this woman was the vampire. Later that month, David Farrant was arrested. He was found near the cemetery late at night, carrying a crucifix and a wooden stake. His case went to court, but was dismissed. Not long after Farrant's arrest, Sean Manchester broke into the cemetery with a handful of helpers. They forced open the doors of a family vault, lifted a lid from a coffin that Manchester claimed his psychic guide had told him was the vampire, and he was about to drive a stake through its heart. When one of his companions persuaded him to stop, he didn't want to, but he did indeed close the coffin. Before leaving, he left garlic and incense in the family vault. Bodies at Highgate Cemetery were disturbed for a long while following, with one body even ending up inside an unsuspecting man's parked, locked car. A few years later, on Friday the 13th of April 1973, Farrant and Manchester were due to meet in a magician's duel on Parliament Hill, but this never happened. The following year, David Farrant was jailed for damaging memorials and interfering with dead remains in Highgate Cemetery. He insisted that he was innocent and that this was in fact the work of Satanists. Over 50 years since first appearing in the Hampstead and Highgate Express, the story of the vampire remains popular, and both Manchester and Farrant 
have talked extensively about the events surrounding the Highgate Vampire. Both have had books published, with Manchester's 1985 book The Highgate Vampire being particularly wild in its claims, such as when he writes of having personally tracked a vampire to its lair, where he saw it transform into a giant spider, which he bravely killed by driving a stake into its heart, before burning it with petrol. Sadly in 2019 David Farrant passed away. And what became of the vampire? The likely truth is that there was never a vampire at all. It was a fabrication by Sean Manchester five decades ago, with the legend capturing the imagination of not only the people of London but worldwide, as it continues to do so today. Interestingly, a now defunct website run by a man called Kev Demont debunked the phantom cyclist we looked at earlier on as also being an invention of Sean Manchester. But that's not to say Highgate Cemetery isn't haunted, as there were terrifying reports coming in before Manchester ended the story in 1970. In the creation of this episode, I was fortunate enough to speak with Della Farrant, wife of David, an expert on all things haunted Highgate, having written a brilliant book of that very name. She was kind enough to clarify some aspects of the case for me, as well as telling me that, and I quote, I have interviewed many people who have seen the ghost, or ghosts. She continued, I've interviewed many people who've seen it, between the early 1960s and as recently as a decade ago. It doesn't always set out to frighten people, but when it does, it can be ferocious. It has never been reported as biting anybody though, which I think is kind of significant. Thank you for joining me. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod where you'll see photos galore relating to Highgate Cemetery. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me directly at rob at how-haunted.com. Feedback, location, suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. Feel free to ask me any questions you like, and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A podcast episode. If you'd like to support the show and get early access to episodes, you can join the Patreon for less than the price of a pint. You'll also get exclusive access to episodes where you'll join me on a paranormal investigation and hear the audio as it happened. If you want to join today, there's three episodes waiting for you right now. There's a 90-minute episode from Chillingham Castle. There's my Halloween Patreon episode from Middlethorpe Hall Hotel in York. And there's an enhanced version of episode 10 from the Edinburgh Vaults, which includes audio from the investigation. If you aren't a fan of Patreon, or perhaps would prefer to make a one-off donation to the podcast, why not buy me a coffee? All the information on how you can support How Haunted is in the podcast description and over on the website. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoy is the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. I have a copy of my book, Ghosts of York, up for grabs. If you'd like to enter, it's incredibly easy to do so. All you need to do is follow me on Twitter and or Instagram. My username for both is HowHauntedPod. You'll get one entry for each, so you can enter twice by following on both. The competition will end on the 24th of December 2022, and the winner will be announced on Twitter, and on the first podcast episode after the closing date.
Next time out, we head to the northeast of England, and in particular, to the ruin of what was once the largest castle in Northumberland. Built in the 14th century in a remote location high above the North Sea, this castle has witnessed bloodshed, wars, and over 500 years of neglect. This castle today is said to be home to a number of ghosts, as well as a medieval knight who tried and failed to save a maiden in distress from a skeletal army of the damned. Are these just stories, or could it really be haunted? Let's find out together next week, when we explore the dramatic ruin of Dunstanborough Castle. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time, when we will once again ask the question, How Haunted? Thank you.